Welcome to Main Thing Radio with Robert Fountain, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Miami Beach, in Miami Beach, Florida. Join us as Robert teaches through God's Word. about the the fact that Jesus you know our great high priest he didn't just go into the holy of holies like their high priest did and and offer atonement for the people in the temple no he went into the very presence of God behind the veil in heaven and 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 made that made that offering a permanent eternal forever atonement on on our behalf in today's message pastor Robert confronts the question of security and salvation Can you lose your salvation due to lack of works or sinful behavior? As we look at scripture, we will be reminded that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was once and for all. If you accept his gift of redemption, it depends only on him and not on anything you do. Stick around after today's message from Pastor Robert. I have quite a bit of information that I'd like to share with you. Our web address, podcast subscription information, and our contact information. Now here's Pastor Robert in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 for today's edition of Main Thing Radio. made it as far as Hebrews chapter 6 and uh, today we're going to continue that that study and beginning at verse 9 you know but last time as we looked at the first nine verses of the chapter we we talked about the subject of eternal security uh, because that's what the first part of the chapter kind of deals with you know the question that's asked by so many people is it possible for someone to lose their salvation is it possible for a Christian to lose their salvation is it possible for me to lose my salvation And we talked about the fact that really the better question to be asking is, am I saved? Have I ever actually received that gift from God? You know, the the, the relationship, redemption, forgiveness. Am I part of his family? We saw that the Bible is really clear about what it means to be a Christian and that quite a few churchgoers don't really fit the Bible's description of one who has been redeemed by Christ, made alive spiritually and born into God's family. Today, we're going to continue along the same path as the Word of God gives to us some input concerning our lives in Christ, you know, the the new life in the Lord Jesus and the promises that He's made to us. So look with me at verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 6. It says, but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Now, clearly, we're, we're jumping in the middle of a thought, you know, like I said last week, you know, the first few verses, he's basically saying, hey, you know, it's, it's impossible for someone to be, you know, brought back to a place of repentance if they've completely, you know, turned their back, having tasted of the Holy Spirit and the power of, you know, the power of God, the power of the ages to come and all this, you know, and, and, uh, and then they, like they crucify Jesus all over again and subject him to open public shame. But beloved, we're confident of better things concerning you. Yes, 
things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessing, I will bless you and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, talking about Abraham, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, stop right there. You know, this was written to a group of Hebrew men and women, a group of Hebrews who, you know, they had, you know, come into a a knowledge, if not a relationship with the Lord Jesus. And, and, and so they understood totally what he was talking about. For some of us, it gets a little cloudy there at the, at, at the end, you know. And, but, but he's referring here to the, the cities of, of refuge. And then um, back up and, and, and find where he, you know, enters into it. The, um, the statement that he makes there about, you know, we who have fled for refuge, and, and, and this idea of, of um, the, the cities that God ordered Israel to establish where if, if someone by accident, you know, killed a neighbor or, or, you know, killed somebody, they were able to flee for refuge to these specific cities. And, and it says the avenger of blood was not able to just, you know, go and, and, um, and punish them, kill them for what they had done. As long as they stayed in that city of refuge until that current high priest died. So it's, it's again, it's the refuge, the high priest, it's, it's tying some things to, together there. And, and, and he says, you know, this hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. And, and he's talking about the, the fact that Jesus you know, our great high priest, he didn't just go into the holy of holies like their high priest did and, and offer atonement for the people in the temple. No, he went into the very presence of God behind the veil in heaven and, and, and made, that, made that offering, that permanent, eternal, forever atonement on, on our behalf. But as we look at this today, I'm not going to dig in and give you a, a, a theology lesson. What I want to do is give you some practical stuff. I want to talk about three very practical things that we see in this passage. And the, the first one is this statement that there are things which accompany salvation. Did you catch that in the, in the beginning? He's like, we're confident of better things concerning you, things which accompany 
salvation. There are some things which accompany salvation. You know, I told you, as we looked at this last time, the first part of the chapter, when, when a person accepts the Lord Jesus, you know, when, when, that, when a person becomes a Christian as defined by the Bible, everything changes in that person's life. And, and you know, it, that's not to say that everything in your life changes immediately, but everything in your heart changes immediately. Do you understand the difference that I'm trying to make there? It's, I'm not saying that, oh yeah, when you come to know Jesus, immediately everything in your life changes. Well, no, no. But when a person comes to the Lord Jesus, everything in here does change immediately. There's a total change. You know, we, we, we talked about, as we looked at verse one, the repentance from dead works and how when you turn away from those dead works we read about in verse one, it, what happens is that the heart focus turns away from just pleasing self and is redirected toward pleasing him. And so there's immediately, there's a change, there's a, there's a course correction, there's an adjustment, a U-turn, whatever you want to call it, but repentance becomes visible on the outside. It's not merely an emotional thing, it's not just, you know, lots of tears, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and then, and then nothing really changes in the life. No, there's a change. There's something that can be witnessed something that can be testified to by the people around you. You know, I, I remember as a, as a young guy, you know, I was in my mid-20s when I actually accepted the Lord. And I had grown up going to church. I'd been baptized. You know, I'd done all of that. I'd prayed to prayers, and we were consistent in church, you know, and, uh, until I was a teenager. And then, you know, once my parents stopped making me go, I stopped going was really what it boiled down to. But in my mid-20s, when I actually put my faith in the Lord Jesus and and, and he moved in and, and changed me on the inside, immediately I knew there were some things he wasn't happy with in my life. And I started making some adjustments, not because I had somebody telling me I had to. They, they, there was no one. I hadn't even found a church yet. But the Holy Spirit immediately began dealing with me about certain things. There were things at work I was lying about consistently, like every week, you know, on certain report forms and things like that. It's the way it had always been done. And I had an assistant manager that had been with the company 40 years. We were just doing things the way we were trained to do things, the way that things had always been done. And, and from one day to the next, I realized I got to stop this. I can't do this this way any longer. And one day she kind of backed off and looked at me and, and she said, are we going to be able to handle you? What was she saying? She said, you know, this, this is crazy. What are you, you're, you're doing things, you're, you're upsetting the apple cart here. Well, yeah, yeah, because my apple cart got righted. You know what I mean? Things got set straight in here. I recognize, no, that's not right. I got to stop that. I can't do that anymore. We're so glad you joined us today on Main Thing Radio. It's our hope and prayer that you were touched by what you just heard. Before our time is up today, Pastor Robert would like to share a great testimony of how God is working through this ministry. You know, not, not long ago, we got a really cool letter. Actually, I guess it has been a while now, maybe a, maybe a year or more, but we got this really cool letter from a lady named Desiree who was listening to our program from within uh, a maximum security prison up in Georgia. And uh, she realized, she heard on one of the programs that I'm from Georgia, so she reached out. She was all excited that she had, you know, just some sort of common ground with this guy she was listening to on the radio teaching the Bible every day. 
and uh, she asked if, if it might be possible for us to send her some Bible study material, something other than, she said, I don't want workbook stuff, I don't want the fluff stuff, I, I want things that will really, some tools that will help me study the Word of God for myself. I, she said, for the first time in my life, I want to do it, I have time to do it. So we did that, we sent some books, we sent some, some Bibles for some of the other ladies there because they then asked for that and they started a little Bible study group and, and God was just using that little 15 minute main thing radio broadcast every day inside that prison. Wow, what a great testimony. If you'd like to share your story, please visit MainThingRadio.com. Thanks for tuning in today to Main Thing Radio.